Hi, this is Leo Sarah, and you're listening to My 88. morning you're listening to my 88 now i am so honored to be chatting to my guest this morning he is an international recording star has had number one hits in multiple decades and is an icon it is mr leo sayer thank you so much for joining me today pleasure wayne anytime Wonderful. Now, Leo, you have had such an amazing career, and I love mm. what your next step is. You and Joe Camilleri, <laughs> who were born on the same day, very yeah, different music taste. Yes, you're going on tour together. Yeah, actually, you know, we don't have that different music tastes. I mean, okay, but I'm I'm famed for some very sort of clean singing. Uh, you know, you know, pop golden golden records, I suppose. And Joe is kind of like more famed for. Uh, the more soulful approach in his hits and everything like that. But, you know, we come from the same music. We both come from blues and we both come from soul and rock and roll. So, you know, the pleasure of doing this show is that we get a chance to uh, sing and play the music that influenced us. And, and, and as well as our hits, of course, because that's what people expect. So we do all our hits, but in the middle of it, we're kind of duetting and having fun with kind of our our, our idols, you know, and, and playing playing tribute to them, you know, and at the end we just get together and play with both bands on stage, and um, it's a wild free for all. But we're but we're really tri- paying tribute to the music that turned us on. And that must be a lot of fun to get on stage with another fantastic musician and just let yeah. loose and, and sing whatever you like. Yeah, because, I mean, Joe and I have done, well, three or four of the, the Good Times tours. Remember those AP of Good Times tours? The first one was 2014 with Russell Morris and, and Richard Clapton and Joe and me. And that was the first time we, we did it together. And, and it's just like, it just went off because we, we, you know, backstage, we're all kind of telling each other about the music that influenced us. And that's what happens. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, there's a great camaraderie. There's a great sort of similar things. There's a great sort of thing where we all love each other's material. And and that was the bounce off that started all of this conversation because Joe and I, knowing we had the same birthdays, we've been trying to get this together since then. And uh, it's only finally this year that our, our, our calendars seem to not clash uh, or I'm in the country or, or Joe's kind of taken a little break or we're available anyway. So... So we just both said to each other, let's do this. And we were so lucky with the dates. I mean, we actually finish on the birthday 
in Melbourne at the Palais and St Kilda. I mean, how 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 great is that is that night going to be? You know, but before then, of course, we're hitting the State Theatre in Sydney and getting the Q Pack and the in in Brisbane and the Twin Towns, of course, uh, the Twin Towns um, Casino, which is going to be another great gig. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a joy to be able to do this. Yeah, it is going to be fantastic. So if anyone wants to go to the State Theatre, it is on Thursday, the 18th of May, and promises to be an amazing night. Now, Leo, of course, you live in Australia now. You are an Australian citizen. Uh, Mm. What is it about this country that you love? (laughs) Everything. Um, I think first off, the space, and then you'd kind of like have to equate the the attitude of the average Australian, because it's a very open kind of society that we have. It's a very multicultural society as well. It always makes it exciting. You know, I've got Chinese friends, you know, even Russian friends, um, um, Jewish friends, Catholic friends, you know, and, it, and, I, and I love the multicultural atmo- a- a- aspect of, of Australia, especially Sydney. I mean, Sydney's like, you know, an airport terminal where everybody's running in and running out. It's kind of exciting and I suppose in some sort of way, I like being exiled to my mother country, England. I kind of like being on the other side of the world. It kind of, it puts pressure on me and, and it, it makes me want to have to prove myself. Whereas if I think, I think if I'd have sat at home and just stayed there, I don't know if I'd have felt the need and the urgency to kind of still keep proving it at this age. Because, you know, I'm coming up to... 50 years of my career, well, I'm, I'm in 50 years of my career since it started, since the, the first album, Silverbird, certainly this year, um, is the anniversary. So it's, it's an exciting prospect to, to think that you're still doing it. But Australia motivates me to keep doing it, and the fans here are fantastic. They really push their artists. Wonderful. That is so lovely to hear. Now, you did mention your first album. You were incredible with success early on. Your first seven singles mm. went top ten in the UK. That is an achievement. Yeah, yeah. yeah Silverbird, the album, um, which was released in 1973, uh, went straight to number two, which was an incredible thing in those days. Because if you look at the charts in those days, your competition was oh, top-notch. It was outrageous. There were so many great records released in those years, uh, particularly in those early 70s. Um, that's where all, I suppose, all of our iconic influences of today come from. So I'm very proud that I was a competitor in those days. Yeah, and then, of course, you had two consecutive number ones in the US with two very different songs, mm. You Make Me Feel Like Dancing and <laughs> When I Need You. That must have been a big dream come true to go to number one in the US. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't something I plotted. I mean, my manager, Adam Faith, who'd already produced some pretty good songs like Long Tall Glasses and One Man Band and The Show Must Go On, just realized that he couldn't be a producer any longer because my fame, I suppose, was exploding in America. And it was time to get an American producer. So we took on Richard Perry. And first, he and I didn't really get on. I mean, he didn't really like my songwriting very much. And he wanted me to, to sort of cover some classic ballads. We did that, of course, with When I Need You. And that song came from Albert Hammond and Carol Bayer Sager. was found on a tape and, and I played it to him and said, we've got to do this. Um, and, and, but, but uh, you know, the other big hit the, and the first one, uh, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, just blossomed out of a jam session. So 
suddenly I was a songwriter again, you know, and uh, and wrote quite a few songs on that album and, 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 you know, carried on with lots of different writers. Very exciting it was because, you know, I'd, I'd sort of come out of my safety net of making very easy to make records in, in England uh, with first off David Courtney, my co-writer, and then Frank Farrell, my co-writer. But they were great mates of mine, you know, guys I'd hang around with. So all of a sudden, I'm a babe in the woods in LA and, and, and I'm being thrust towards all these great, great songwriters who I'm working with. And and um, it was pretty scary, but we came up with the goods. That's the main thing. Yeah. Now, I am going to pick your career highlight, if that's okay. Uh, this is something okay. that I would have dreamed of because it was my favourite show as a kid. <laughs> you were on The Muppet Show. How was that? I know. <laughs> Isn't it funny people pick that out? I was also on The Wiggles as well because, I mean, The Wiggles, our great Australian kids program, um, they wanted to do a cover of You Make Me Feel Like Dancing a few years ago. So, yeah, I, I joined in on that. So I sang that with them and it became a DVD. And, of course, that's legend as well. But I, I met Jim Henson and Frank Oz because I was a big fan of Sesame Street. They were the voices of Ernie and Bert and, and of course, Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog. And uh, I met them because I was a big fan of Sesame Street when I first went on tour in America in 74. And we happened to be doing a show where they were in the next studio. Uh, it was a TV uh, um, um, uh, show with music that I was doing in one room. And I went into the next room and, oh, my God, it's them. It's Sesame Street. So I met them and immediately filmed a little bit with them as well. I don't know if that ever came out. But um, but anyway, we filmed a clip. And, um, and, and we just all became great friends. And when they turned up in England to do the Muppets, I heard a whisper from a friend of mine. So I went up to see them. So I was hanging around with them when they started the Muppets. Um, I didn't get onto the first series because it was all being chosen by uh, people who just wanted to make the show happen in America. So they were primarily picking American artists on the first one. But I got onto the second one, and it was always fantastic working with them. I mean, having Jim and Frank as friends, you know, uh, kind of made it even better because we'd hang out and laugh about things you know, backstage and, and, and go to dinner together and things like that. So <laughs> doing the show with them was really relaxing, you know what I mean? Because, as I say, when you're working with friends, it's a different thing. Wow, that is that is so amazing. I'm very jealous in such a good way. <laughs> now, in the 80s, you had some massive hits as well. Your biggest hit in Australia was More Than I Can Say, which yeah. uh, hit number one here. That must have been lovely as well for the country that you would call your home in the end to have a, such a big hit here. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, and in America as well, because I'd not been in the charts for a, a few years, um, trying various things. You know, the three albums that I made with Richard Perry, okay, had a fair amount of success. Can't Stop Loving You was a success reigning in my heart. Um, some of those songs, you know, Thunder in My Heart, mild success. Of course, that came back later and became an English number one on a remix. But, you know, I was kind of a little bit in the, in the, out of the charts. And when I worked with Alan Tarney and we found that song kind of almost by accident. I mean, we were just looking at the TV and, came on the greatest hits of Bobby V and Bobby V meets the crickets was the album in 1960 that more than I can say originally was on. So Sonny Curtis and Jerry Allison from Buddy Holly's band wrote the song. And, 
we found this song and it was so simple and so beautiful to sing and great to record. And Alan Tarney was a genius at making records. So he and I, you know, we, we just put it together over, over one night. We didn't realize it was going to be the single until everybody said, now nah, that's your hit. And they were right. And it, it sort of rocketed into the American charts. And then actually hit the country charts first. And then when it was a hit over here, I was most surprised because I thought, no, they were into different music than that at that time. You know, I mean, everybody was, you know, doing ACDC and, and buying Midnight Oil and people like that. So rock music was blazing its trail at that time. And more than I can say was a sweet, sappy ballad in a way. And I was quite surprised, really, but it was fantastic. And it was lovely to be back in, at the top of the charts all over the world. It sort of was a resurgence. You know, it was only a resurgence in 1980. So I, I think my career has been like that. There's been many times I've been written off, but I've come back, you know. Yeah, and then two years later, of course, you had, I think, which is one of the most beautiful songs ever, Have You Been In Love, which hit four here in Australia as well. Yeah. Great tune. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. I mean, the weird thing is with Australia is I've had all this success, but I've never ever had an aria or been to the arias or even been you know even been invited to the show. It's as if they don't know I exist, <laughs> and they call me an English artist living in Australia. So it's all a bit weird, but you know, you take what you can when you can. Well, and, um, we should correct that, Leo. Let's get let's get you to the arias. You need a yeah, hall of fame know. induction. It's, it's really Ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've done enough here, I think, yes. <laughs> ever since the show must go on, you know. But no, it's, it seems to have slipped their mind somehow. I'm, you know, friends like Russell Morris say, how come you've never had an aria? And I say, well, they don't look on me as an Australian artist, but I'm an Australian citizen and I had the hits. So, um, yeah. But it, look, I'm not, I'm not going to get angry or frustrated about it. I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Well, I mean, you are loved so very much. Now, you did mention Thunder in My Heart, and that must have been so exciting mm. in 2006 to suddenly be back up in the charts again. Yeah, there was this guy called Mech who had this idea of releasing it. I mean, he wasn't basically totally the artist who did it. There was a guy called Lee Dagger and his friend Mark JB um, who actually did the mix, as I found out later. And, of course, I've worked with both of them since. Uh, in different ways, I and mean, we've written songs with both Mark and 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 Lee, and and you know we've we've done a lot of stuff. They're both great DJs, but they're also great music makers. And when the song came along and they played it to me, I went, "What? I couldn't believe what they'd done with it because they'd managed to speed it up, filter out the bass and drums, and put new rhythm track on it, and really just make it happen." So I endorsed it. Well, absolutely immediately there was. There was no problem with that. But the biggest surprise is the way that it broke because it originally broke out of um, dance clubs in the in the UK and um, DJs were playing it. And then they play it on air on radio as well. And it just was one of those weird things that exploded. It suddenly became what they called a guilty pleasure because nobody would admit that they were actually raving to a song that was recorded in 1977. They didn't want that to happen. They, they wanted to look hip, you know, and, and very current, but it snuck through. And the more it got played, the more the DJs loved it, the more the clubbers loved it. And it went straight to number one in the UK in its first week. 
Wow, that is so wonderful. Now, you and I were just chatting on air, uh, off air before <coughs> about the work you're doing at the moment with Kindred Spirits yep. for Parkinson's. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, yeah, it just came up. I mean, uh, it's been a it's been a lightning few weeks actually because I got married a, a week and uh, two weeks ago. Congratulations, two weekends ago. Yeah, and uh, been with Donatella for thirty nine years. But I think we're because we're at this happy place. We just uh, now very very settled here in the Southern Highlands and um, and loving life and feeling really good about each other. We thought, why not? So we had this kind of crazy idea, and we we got married in our garden. And that same night, I get a call or, a, or an email from a friend of mine, my old keyboard player, Josh Phillips in London. And he's saying, look, we've got this track for Parkinson's disease and we can't think of anybody to sing the lead vocal. And we all thought of you. And I went, wow, yeah, but we need it in three days time. So I'm thinking, well, there's going to be no honeymoon, is there? <laughs> I go straight in, straight back out of the house into my studio fire up the computer, get the backing track, which they've sent me, and immediately start work on the lead vocal. And I think I had it in a day. Uh, also videoed it as well because it's, it's, you know, these days you've got to have a YouTube video, so it's already out there. It's called uh, Think Loud, which is named after a Parkinson's campaign and a book which was a, about a guy, a Parkinson's sufferer. Parkinson's disease is this terrible thing that happens when you lose your mind and you lose your marbles and you start forgetting things and you can't relate to your partner, you don't even remember uh, the most important people in your life and you look at them blankly. And I think this is one of the saddest illnesses. It happens to people when they get older. Um, it's a mental disease and there is no cure. So everybody's looking at ways to, to get around it. And, and the Think Loud campaign, which is endorsed by Parkinson's uh, disease organization, the foundation anyway, is a great idea because it's telling you how to exercise every day, you know, make your mind, process your mind, practice something to say and say it. And think loud is kind of like, don't open your mouth and show everybody you've got Parkinson's. Actually open your mouth and say something meaningful. And then, and then it will train you uh, train your brain to be uh, able to deal with life and get around this disease. Maybe find a little bit of a short-term answer, which you can use every day. So it's a fantastic campaign, great message in the song. I'm loving the fact that I'm I'm singing along with people like Marcella Detroit from Shakespeare's Sister. I'm playing, you know, there's John Isley, from, the bass player from Dar Straits, uh, Stuart Elliott from Cockney Rebel, some amazing musicians on this thing. Uh, Josh Phillips, of course, on keyboards, who is dynamite and used to play. He was the key man in Procol Harum. So, you know, I'm playing with some great people. We we rushed it all together. It's already been released. It's out on YouTube. The band is called Kindred Spirit. That's the group of us all together. And um, if we can do something to make uh, people aware of how to deal with Parkinson's disease and make people, you know, get some money into the foundation, that's a good thing. Yeah, that is absolutely wonderful. Now, everyone needs to go see Leo and Joe Camilleri at the State <laughs> Theatre on Thursday, 18th of May. Happy birthday for that day, or for near that Thank day, you. Leo, and I hope that you have a really great time on tour. Oh, it's going to be a party, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is my 88.